episode 88. Here we go. We just started. 88. No laugh track. Thank you to Circle of Heat for uh, the music we just heard there. If you haven't yet, like us on Facebook. Leave a comment on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at No Laugh Track. And then, uh, I don't know, if for some reason you like listening to audio um, on YouTube, maybe you do. Maybe it's a new way to do that. Uh, I'm posting the shows on YouTube as well, just audio version, because uh, who wants to see our ugly faces? In any case, let's get on with this one. Episode 88, Chris Gethard is in town. Hi, headlining at Acme. How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Good. Good. I'm, I, I've, I don't know. I don't want to shortchange anyone that has been on the podcast before, but I don't think anyone's been on that has more going on. Like, more things currently. Yeah, there's a, it's been a crazy busy 2014. Guy. Yeah, 2014's yeah. been good for me so far. But we'll see. I mean, in two months, if I was to come back in two months, maybe I'd be the guy with the least going on, you know? It's like <laughs> nothing permanent, but You're, there's uh, a lot of irons in the fire, as they say. Hey, can you just get me on open mic? Come on, remember me? Remember me? <laughs> I was headlined here two months ago. Yeah, it could be one of those situations. We'll see. But yeah, right now things are good. Right so now we're, I'm feeling pretty good. We're gonna that's just kind of a tease. We're gonna get to all that. Yeah, Let's just start cool. out first. Today's Wednesday. You've had one show yeah. here. How what first time at Acme last first night? First time at Acme. Really? Went well, I think. People seemed happy. As long as the club's happy, I'm happy, you know. But did Chris um, Gethard fans show up? Yeah, handful, small handful, which yeah? was which was nice to see, and maybe that'll continue throughout the week. Um but it was yeah, my fans tend to be kind of like quiet and socially uncomfortable people, so it's always nice to meet them, but it just meant like a lot of standing in the bar with long stretches of silence, and uh, I'm very happy with that, but it, it, it would have been comical to watch me interact with my fans last night, because I am as uncomfortable as they are. Um, but yeah, I was like to be here, uh, all these, a whole bunch of my friends in New York, I was I was with uh, Mike Birbiglia the night before I came here, and he was like, dude, Acme's the best. He's oh, like, wow. He's the best. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I was super psyched to get out here, and it, it it was. It was a great crowd. He was just in town for a uh, theater show. Yeah, he's doing his tour right now. Yeah, his uh, thank God for jokes tour. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he's a good he's a good dude. He's a good dude. I've buddied up with him in New York, and uh, he looks out for me. And he had very glowing words for Acme. So I was happy to happy to come here and verify that yes, the crowds are good and <laughs> the people are nice. Are people giving you tips on what to do in Minnesota? There is, but you know, it's like um, between between the cold and the fact that I don't have a car. It's mostly I'm just like, man, I think I'm just going to spend a lot of time in this hotel room trying not to freeze to death. I'm mm-hmm. going to Austin, Texas, right after this. Oh, dude, that's the same weather hit there. That can't be true. No, not, oh, thank God! I, you could feel the genuine <laughs> the genuine moment of terror as I realized. <laughs> You might not be kidding. How far south do I have to go? I know, man. <laughs> it was. Like, I'm really psyched to do these shows. And, and like I said, last night was super fun. And I'm looking forward to the rest of them. But I am like, this is kind of like leaving New York, which is miserable weather, to come here, which is the same weather but even colder. Yeah. Austin's like the light at the end of the tunnel. So um, ha- happy to get down there just for the weather. Though I think the shows here will be much better. I'm doing South by Southwest down there, which I've done before. And it's fun, but it's like a fiasco. It's like staying up all night and running around and and really wears you out so what that's uh, one is that that's next week that starts next week yeah, oh wow the comedy portion yeah they spread that festival out man i guess yeah, yeah. Uh, so when they have you work that is it like in a i've never gone i would love to someday uh you're like in a night like here's 20 or 10 comedians in six hours there's nights like that where it's a whole bunch of comedians and then like we're doing the chris gethard show live on stage one night so we're doing that and uh ucb which i work out of in new york they have a bunch of shows lined up so it's just kind of like bouncing from show to show and then there's also so much going on like music wise and film wise that it's just trying to like see as much as you can do as much as you can so it really is chaos in a fun good way but i've done it this will be the third year in a row i do south by and i get sick almost i think the both other years i've done it i get sick because i'm just like so physically dead by the end of it so the partying i'm not much of a partier myself personally but i'm just i think i'm just weak i think i just have a weak constitution (laughs) and staying up late that many nights in a row kills me i don't even drink but i get hung over from south by southwest maybe it's the dry air could be that i uh i this doesn't tie into anything you just said really but i just i I, if i leave here today 
and never talk to you again. I'm going to kill myself for not bringing this up. Oh, well, I wouldn't want that. No. It's the last thing I want on my conscience. <laughs> don't a man's kill, death. Don't make me kill me. Please bring it up. Okay. Bring uh, it up. I can't I, handle the pressure. On your website, there is, yeah. a, there is like a, uh, a video of a guy that looks like you in a band on a f- football field. Oh. That's you? By guy who looks like me, you mean, yes, this dude I went to high school with. Oh, I cannot believe we're talking about this. This has been like the bane of my week. Oh, I'm sorry. No. It's so great. No, it's okay. This, you know that. This friend of mine from high school found a, uh, a VHS tape of us in our high school marching band, and he digitized it, put it up, and then put it on Facebook where my brother found it. And my brother then uh, started tweeting it out and a bunch of fans of mine found it and now there's all these images images of it floating around and <laughs> i will sorry. tell you i'm was, sorry no it's okay I, the uh one probably the the uh <laughs> lowest moment of my week thus far was when my fiance found it and i watched her watch me in a high school marching band performance and it is not cool it is the opposite of cool <laughs> someone uh, someone on twitter said i look like a matador who mugged a frenchman that's the outfit i'm wearing okay <laughs> It's really bad. I'm playing a tambourine and sleigh bells. It's like I'm pr- completely prepubescent. Yes. It was not. It was. I was not thrilled when it went up, but um, at least people are having fun with it, so that's good. <laughs> you should come out with a tambourine on oh, stage. My fiance watched it, and she is right too. Like everyone else is like marching around awkwardly because they're awkward high school kids in a marching right. band, and I'm like performing. I'm like dancing. And really selling it. You probably didn't sleep the night before. Yeah, I'm sure I was really excited. But she was like, of course you became a performer. Like, you're clearly so desperate for attention up there. <laughs> Which was both true and sti- and stung. It, it had a stinging quality to it. Yeah, well, you could look back. <laughs> yes, indeed, indeed. But it is, I mean, people uh, that are that age now are going to have that problem forever where everything's caught oh, in a picture imagine, or video. Man. Yeah, I can't imagine Everything, like the I'm, archives people have of their youth. I would not want that. Yeah, no. But So it is surprising that someone in their 30s is gonna, Yeah. Because I get back, back my parents didn't have, there was no, there was no video camera. No. I, there's nothing. I really. wish there was none. I wish there was none. I wish you could not digitize VHS tapes. And I do, I'll just be clear too. I'm not cool and I'm trying to say I was better than it in any way, but I want to be very clear. I joined Marching Men my junior year of high school specifically because all the girls who talked to me were already in Marching Men. Anyway. Yeah, there you go. <clears throat> so it was a strategic decision. I wasn't a particular fan of marching bands. I wasn't a particular fan of like military formations or girls flipping flags around. It was mostly just any girl I had a chance with was a marching band girl. So that was the place where I should be. It was a smart play. On I, my I part. agree. I agree. If they were on the chess team, you were on the chess team. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I managed to squeeze in marching band around my existing interests, which were things like debate club and the high school musical. So, now, I mean, maybe wrestling team would have been more, you know, masculine. Oh, yeah. But there's no girls on the wrestling team. I will tell you this. I actually was. There was brief talk from the wrestling coach of asking me to join the wrestling team. To be the hundred and three pounder exactly, or whatever it I was would be? like so small sure. that I like most most towns didn't have a kid in that weight class. No. So we'd just win a match every every meet. <laughs> you you potentially could have gone undefeated. Oh, I would have loved that because <laughs> I did weigh like ninety four pounds yeah. <laughs> when I was in high school. So I wish I did that. That would have been a much better story than played sleigh bells in the marching band. <laughs> wrestling champion i would take that looking uh-huh. back on it but no undefeated first year i wish videos of that surfaced of <laughs> no. me kicking ass but yeah instead, just the ref no. holding your arm up because uh the other team forfeited no. there was no competition. i have i have i instead have videos of me in a frilly white cowboy hat playing sleigh bells <laughs> that's what i have well what was the what was the football game that were you, you were that was actually a performance. That was the state championships at Giant Stadium. Oh wow! That was a marching band uh, competition. If you if you want to go track down this video, you can see me perform in a completely empty Giant Stadium. Wow! Like a hilariously empty. And I'll also put this out there: I did not remember until that video surfaced that there was this girl in our color guard, like the flag girls, and her name was Sandy. And she dated this guy named Randy. Mm-hmm. And Randy was a crazy person. And he had, I remember he had like a high-end Mercedes or BMW in high school, but no one really knew how he got that because he wasn't 
from like the best area of town. There was uh-huh. something going on with Randy, but he was completely in love with this really sweet, quiet marching band girl named Sandy. And if you listen throughout that whole video, you just hear a maniac from the back of Giant Stadium over and over again going, Sandy! No. And it was Randy, and she got. I remember they got in a big fight. Sandy and Randy got in a big fight because he kept yelling "Sandy" during his during our giant stadium performance. Which that made me laugh to remember that lunatic named Randy. <laughs> Everyone knew Randy would live on somehow. Oh, I, I, it made me wonder what Randy could possibly be up to today. I can't remember his last name, unfortunately. <clears throat> I remember hers. Maybe I'll look him up. Maybe they're married and happy and have kids, but I doubt it. And they have a kid uh, whose name ends in Andy. Candy. Yeah, or Mandy or... Mandy, yeah. Yeah. Brandy. Brandy. Yeah. Or it could have gone that way, or he could be living in that car. Yeah, or she like moved on to a life with a less volatile individual, yeah. and she's real happy, and he is uh, in some... He's in dire straits somewhere. <laughs> That would be my guess. That would be my guess. Or they both turned out fine, and I, it was they were just dumb high school kids. Yeah. Like we all were. Did you? Uh, so you grew down. up in New Jersey. I did. Yeah. West Orange, New Jersey, North Jersey, Sopranos country. Lot nothing. In, everything in common with the Sopranos. Sopranos. Or I nothing. Was, I will say, uh, in many ways, you know, I was not exposed to the mafia, but the culture of North Jersey they captured very well. Really, the way people talk. There were stores that they would shop at, like. The famous last scene where where um, Tony Soprano goes to get ice cream and then the guy walks in like I've been to that place that's oh, cool. just an operating store so yeah and some of the references too like they would reference things from my hometown to a degree where I'm like I I really like this show but I don't quite get why everybody else does because mm-hmm. I'm just sitting here like oh my god they mentioned the Turtleback Zoo <laughs> that's crazy. So, yeah, very, very similar in certain ways. I thought it was just Minnesotans that did uh, the dorky thing of like, oh, they said St. Paul. Oh, no. Oh, I, ah, they said Minneapolis. The Hold Steady mentioned a street in Uptown. The oh, Hold my God. Steady. Those guys live right near uh, Craig Finn now in Brooklyn. Oh, really? They relocated after Yeah. yeah I was yeah, just, yeah. Somebody, from, somebody from that band, I followed them on Facebook, just posted some new pictures this morning. Could yeah, have been taken he, in your neighborhood. In my neighborhood, they apparently, apparently the Hold Steady just opened a bar with the express purpose of trying to have a Minneapolis bar in New York. So they stocked it with all Minneapolis beers, and it apparently has the vibe. I, I guess, uh, from what I, I, like I said, I'm not a drinker, but people have told me that Minneapolis bar, my friends in the punk rock scene are like, those are the, when you go to Minneapolis, that's where you go drink, because the bars are great. So they just built one in, no Green, shit. in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. Yeah. Well, I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, if you don't drink, you should at least go in there and buy someone a uh, grain belt. A grain belt? Is yeah. that the one to go with? Yeah. Now I'll look that's like, like know a, you know. About. Middle of the road, uh, Minnesota beer. What's the high end? What's the high end Minnesota beer? Oh, uh, Surly. Surly. Have you had that? Oh, you I have not. That. No, I have. I, I I haven't touched the booze in a couple of years now. Mm-hmm. Clean uh, myself up. If they have Surly, that will really impress legit. people. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's it's legit. That's uh that's a, that would be a good recreation of a Minneapolis bar. I surly think. and Grain Belt. Surly and Grain Belt. Yeah. All right. When Thank I was in college, we used to drink a, a Minnesota beer named Pig's Eye. No good. <laughs> I ever heard about college, and the name Pig's Eye cannot be a high quality beverage. It wasn't. It yeah, wasn't. we used to drink King Cobra. Do you have that out here? Yeah, malt liquor. Yes, malt we used liquor. To drink King Cobra. Was that a English. can or a bottle? We used to drink 40s out of the bottles. Nice. As you can see, that was my style of drinking, hence why I've been sober since I was 22. Because <laughs> I used to. That one of the worst nights of my life. Have you ever had Mad Dog 2020? Uh, Ooh, like, not, um, I don't remember ever passing a bottle around, but I think it got mixed into something stupid. Oh my stupid. God, man. One of the worst nights of my life was drinking Mad Dog 2020. I went completely insane. Yeah. Completely insane. Yeah. Someone had to tell you probably what you did. Yeah. Really it was one of insane. those. It was one of those ones where I was like on the verge of going to the hospital and I also apparently started insisting that I was about to die and telling my friends I'm going to hell, tell God I love him. And that was like, it's rare for your friends in college to sit you down and be like, you probably should shouldn't drink but when you start saying stuff like that like i had other 21 year old kids being like hey you should chill out which is i think a rare level of insanity I, due to mad dog but mad dog's like it's like a poison mad mm-hmm. dog 2020 is just poison i drank poison that's why i behaved that way syrupy kind of isn't it it's a fruit flavored syrup that was what it was was i was trying i had been drinking a lot of beer and it was not i was not handling it well yeah so on my friend's 21st birthday he said i'm gonna go buy a bunch of stuff what do you want and I said, get me some Boone's wine. Oh, Boone's cla- farm. Yeah, yeah. 
He oh, was yeah. like, I don't want to buy Boons. And I was like, all right, fine. Just get me something that's not beer. Like something like I like that's lighter, something fruity. Like I know I'm sounding a little weak right now, but right, right. whatever. So he came right. back with the harder version of Boons Farm in his mind, which was <laughs> Mad Dog and which tastes pretty bad. But I just chugged it. I chugged it and then I fell down and I, fit, I hit my head. And then I remember very little else of that night. Purple very teeth. Blue. Wouldn't it turn your teeth purple? Isn't it purple? Yeah, it, it was. It was. I had strawberry banana, which was like this awful magenta, just chugging. I mean, chugging strawberry banana, Mad Dog Twenty Twenty. What a horrific I, story! What a horrific thing to have done. I that reminds me of being. Uh, I was one of the last guys. You know, like when everybody in high school was uh, drinking and partying. I I was uh, one of the, the nerds who like took sports seriously. So, you know, when I signed a, a, this thing for each season of, you know, baseball or swimming, like, well, I'm going to abstain from using alcohol or drugs. Well, you took it seriously. I took that seriously. Yeah. And it, it also, uh, having my dad as a teacher at the same school I attended. Oh, that'll do it, right? It may have that'll added some it. pressure on, uh, yeah. you know, behavior. But, um, that's so a I bummer, never drank. man. Yeah. Your dad was a teacher in your high school? Yeah. That's a bummer. Oh, I could, oh, I could tell you a story. I could, oh. But, uh, so he, uh, so I remember one time, uh, it was towards the end, I think, senior year, right after, in any case, I never drank. Never, ever, ever. My buddy's parents were out of town. We're going to throw a party. His older sister was going to buy us booze. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, this was the time I'm like, you know what? I'm going to be able to stay at, at Bill's house and get another thing I was always worried about was coming home and getting caught because yeah. I thought you know like I know there are like a lot of my friends like they come home parents are in bed they don't give a shit mine would have stayed up mine would have yeah. waited for that 11 p.m. curfew or midnight or whatever so there was no chance of ever getting away with anything anyway so I told Bill's sister to go uh, I was like well I want to get drink something too with everybody uh, I'm like I don't know I don't think I like beer could I could you get me something that I might like she buys beer for everyone at the party except me. She gets a two liter of wine cooler. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Were you mocked yeah. horrifically? The oh, whole all night. night. All night. Did you get drunk? Uh, no, because I got a headache first. <laughs> so it was a complete failure. That is a that is a lame that is a lame night of high school life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well mm-hmm. done. Well yeah. done. Yeah. And that's why you're in comedy now, right? Yeah. It's that's like why that. how I ended up in radio and doing this thing. Yeah. 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 yeah exactly. But um, oh God, I could. I should do a show sometime uh, just talking about uh, having a dad as a teacher in the school. I can't imagine. Oh, the only good thing was if you, like, I forgot some money for money for something after school. Yeah. Good, like, hey, five bucks, you yeah. know? Yeah. There was someone there to loan me money. Other than that, miserable. Every other teacher must have been able to judge you and guilt you so much harder. I got caught. Uh, mocking the school principal once because he was yelling at a friend of mine who had parked in a spot illegally outside of the school. He was yelling at my friend, so I was standing behind the principal and I was doing this, like, like, mocking him to try to make my friend laugh. Well, he turned around while I was doing it and busted me. And uh, I got brought into the office and as he was screaming in my face, the one of the things he told me is, how fucking dare you? I got my, your dad, his job. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. There's there's some guilt to th- to throw on a 17-year-old. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, that's not good. Oh yeah. That's not good at all. He left the he left the door open for his office. He yelled out to the secretaries and said, um, "Hey, hey uh, you know, Cheryl, you know who I have in here? Severson's kid. Severson. His kids in here. You know what he was doing mocking me." Whoa. Yeah. Well, that principal sounds like he was a real douche, huh? He had one of those voices that uh was like one of those registers that's so low. I don't. Some people, I don't think, could even hear it. You know, it's hard to yeah. understand. I got your daddy's job. Because, Does your dad still work with that guy? My dad is retired, and that guy's dead. So you can say, was your dad ever like he was a he was a jerk? <laughs> My dad is the nicest, really polite. Uh, no, your dad didn't like conflict. that guy deep down. I bet deep down your dad. Oh, I was guarantee like, he would never say that. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I've never really heard many complaints about anything. So wow. Yeah. All right. Uh huh. All right. How about you? What'd your parents do? My parents, my mom, uh, she was a teacher for a while, and my dad worked in like uh, pharmaceuticals. He's a chemist. Oh wow! Yeah. Holy cow! Yeah. In New Jersey, that's like the big industries, pharmaceuticals. Oh, okay. So yeah, they're good people. You said you got a brother. I do. I that, have an, that uh, teases you. Older brother, a couple years older. He was a very defining influence in my life. 
Uh, my parents, good people. I don't have like a traumatic home life story like many a comedian has. <laughs> They're good people, still married and loved. It's very adorable to see. Sure. Um, my brother, a couple years older than me, he was a real loose cannon. That was one thing about my high school experience was like no matter how how like just walking through the door teachers were like oh shit you're greg's brother because he was like a terror one of those yeah 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 so i had to i had to sometimes i had to kind of sometimes prove that i wasn't going to be as disruptive a uh, force as he was he was a real like chaos bringer um but i also after a certain point was like no i think it's probably cooler to just go with that i think my, I, this was just gonna ask you did it maybe make you a little cooler i think so well my i mean my brother was not cool he was like a real nerd but he also was a real funny guy and oh. a real wise ass so that door being open for me i think there, you know i think i was set up to be like a very nerdy good quiet kid but i do think some of the teachers that i had maybe made their own lives worse because they judged me based on my brother and then that kind of gave me no option except to be a wise ass and emulate him because yeah. they already didn't trust me so i might as well have fun you know <laughs> so yeah there was there was a bunch of that but my brother used to like he was a senior when i was a freshman and he used to like he would like show up at school wearing i remember one day he showed up wearing like an orange corduroy jumpsuit nice and it was just like all day people were like your brother your brother your brother your brother and i was like well this is who I am, man. He's setting the tone. Better get in on it. So it definitely allowed me to be kind of like a creative, weird kid. That's good. Uh, I have kids. Earlier. I want to encourage that. Really? Be, yeah. I want. I mean, really, you look back the 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 nerdy, weird kids. I are the most interesting. Yeah. As we get older, I think. So. Don't you think? I think so. Yeah. How many kids do you have? Two. Two daughters. How is that? Uh, great. Yeah, right. I'm. I'm not even. I'm not exaggerating when I'm saying I'm doing my best to mold them into little nerds. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm about to get married. Congrats! So, thanks. Kids is like the next big question. I finally uh, finalized my divorce. Wow! Congrats! <laughs> thanks. Congrats! <laughs> All right. So that yeah, I'm a couple steps away from that. Yeah. That part of the uh-huh. process. Yeah. You don't have to do that part. Just so you know, you can stay married. You can? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it seems like almost no one does nah, anymore. Nah, I, my parents are still together. It yeah, happens. mine too. Mine so too. Happens. It happens. Yeah. Yeah. How you doing? How you holding up? G- great. I got an okay. awesome girlfriend. It's been a long time. I've actually uh, been, been separated, separated a while. From, yeah, oh yeah. Okay. Like, almost, so everybody's cool with each other. Totally. Like almost three years and a few months. Oh, wow. It nice. took a long time to get divorced. Yeah. A long time. That's a pain. Yeah. That's a lot of paperwork and lawyers and stuff, right? Well, you, some people like me tried to do it without a lawyer, and that's, well, that's why it took so long. Impossible, right? yes. Hence, why it took so long. Now, did your ex have a lawyer? No, we were both. We were trying to cooperate. Two people that don't get along were trying to cooperate to yeah. make it as cheap and painless as possible, but that doesn't work. Not so much. No. Do you still do you get along better now that you're at the end of the process? Oh yeah. Oh for sure. Oh that's great. Yeah, there's that's a lot good. of stress that's gone now. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's oh, great. Good for you and good for the kids and yeah, everything, yeah, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. Well, this got serious. Uh huh. No, it didn't. This got serious. <laughs> <laughs> no, the kids are good. When are you, uh, so when's the marriage? August. Getting married in August. Where? In uh, in New York. In New York. Yeah. We're renting a summer camp. We're going to have everybody come stay the whole weekend in the oh, cabins. I think it'll be fun. Awesome. It's a lot of, a lot of organization, a lot of work, but I think it'll be fun. I think it'll be a real good time. How long have you known her? Not well. I've known her a while. We only dated nine months before we got engaged, but she uh, she's a performer as well. She was actually in a punk rock band that I used to be obsessed with, and uh, knew her from that. And she has a there's like a you know there's so many creative communities in New York. So a lot of the musicians would show up at the UCB Theater where I worked out of, and she saw me in a couple shows there. And then she wound up being in the uh, house band for the Chris Gethard show. Some friends of mine who were playing music for us asked her to join up, and yeah. then got to know each other through that, and then hit a point where we were both single and we just got together and it was just a match just felt really good and i'm 33 so i've like i've dated enough to know when something's different you know and i was oh, yeah. like oh this feels really good this oh, yeah, feels yeah. really good and it just moved it's nice but it's funny because last night after my show here at acme these kids came up to me and uh one of the girls was telling me that she uh, this is, this is a, many steps to the story but i'll keep it quick she basically said she has a show on radio k and i was like oh that's cool my friend wrote a song about Radio K and she said who and I said Mikey Erg who's this punk kid from the east coast and this other girl was like oh I love Mikey Erg I love every band he's in and I said oh 
do you uh, do you love the Unlovables? He's the drummer in that band. She's like, I love the Unlovables. And then she, I said, Well, I'm getting married to Hallie from the Unlovables. And this girl, like, it, she reacted as if I said I was getting married to like Bigfoot. Like, I'm, <laughs> she couldn't comprehend what I was talking about. That's this musician she likes. Yeah. And then she told me her friends have an 18 minute long song about how they want to marry my fiance that her friends in a punk band. It was a strange conversation. She was like, yeah, my friends have this song. It's 18 minutes long where they thank everybody. And then there's a long stretch where they say, and thank you to my future wife, Hallie from the unlovables. And I was standing there like, this is very strange, but I would like to hear that song and play at my wedding. Yeah. Big time. So she sent it to, she sent me an MP3 earlier today. I haven't listened to it yet. Oh, and then is your fiance, if you've, I've shared the story by now. I'm going to send it to her immediately. Yeah. I think that's really weird. I'm totally like, weird. Totally weird that I came to Minnesota and a girl told me that her friends want to marry my fiance. And she was talking to you not with the intent of having that come up. In no, the she had no idea. She was like flabbergasted that I'm marrying this musician she knows and likes. Crazy. Yeah, it was a really strange. But it was also cool because like, I'm not cool. I'm like a very, very geeky comedian and I could tell this girl had it was she had come to oh, the no. show with her friends, and you could tell she was kind of like better than it. But then when she realized <laughs> that I knew about this music that she liked, she was I was like, oh, I'm feeling myself turn cooler in this girl's eyes, sure, just because I am marrying a musician uh. she likes. That made me laugh really hard. I could see it. Like her friends were really into talking to me, and she was on the side. And then she was like, wait, mm. huh? What? Huh? What? And then by the end. She was all about it. So yeah, I, won. Yeah. I won that conversation. Way to go. Thank you. Yeah, yes. You, you won her over. Because to me, it's all about looking cool in young people's eyes, right? Well, obviously. That's what the whole thing's about. Uh, you get on the road and hopefully you look cool <laughs> to some college kids. That's right. 20-year-olds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Damn right. I want 20-year-olds thinking I'm cool. Uh-huh. That's, uh, that's my main goal as an entertainer. Because I wasn't when I was 20, so why not oh, in my 30s? Not even close. Yeah. Not even close. Yeah. Yeah. Close. Well, you've mentioned it a few times. Let's talk about your baby, the show. Oh, yeah. That's me. That's my whole thing right now. The Chris Gethard show. On that's... a little hiatus right now? It is because we, we uh, it was, uh, it started as a stage show and then we switched to being a public access TV show. And in both those iterations, it had a lot of, it just like got some buzz. It was cool. And then Comedy Central recently uh, paid us to make a pilot for it. So we did that. So we taped that on January 30th, and we actually turned in our final tapes yesterday Oh wow! to Comedy Central. So while I was in the airport waiting to get on a plane to Minneapolis, I got this text that was like, it's done. It's in. We can't change anything else about it. The edit is done. So that I'm feels very, good? Very, it does. It, it feels good. I'm also really nervous about it. Like, I'm a very hands-on, like, DIY do-it-yourself guy, you know? So to hit a point in the process where I can't have any effect on something is a little maddening for me. Like I like, I, I really actually enjoy like kind of trying to keep things I do smaller scale, um, so that I can feel some level of control over them. Well, so. then this is the complete opposite of that. So yeah, now it's being handed into a world. It has hit a point where I can no longer have an effect on it, which is scary. But, um, yeah, we were, while we were taping the pilot and doing the edit, we, we, uh, went dark with the public access show, but while we wait to hear, we're going to bring it back. So I get back to town end of March, and then we're gonna uh, we're gonna start doing the show again in April on public access. So it's a really strange show. People who like it really like it though. So if you're listening, we got all the archives up online. You can go find them. It's not for everybody, but how many could, episodes now? Four hundred something? No, a hundred and twenty oh. plus about six or seven pre-taped specials and a 12-hour-long special we did when we covered the election coverage for the New York Public Access Station, which is, I believe, the longest unbroken live broadcast in in, uh, in New York Public Access history. Maybe was, all of public access. Was Who that knows? a good idea? It was not. <laughs> it was not. No? But I think, actually, the footage is really, like, I think it's really funny because, like, that you get to see people actually lose their mind. Like, I think I was only, out of the whole 12 hours... I think I only took a couple breaks to use the bathroom. I think I was only off camera for less than half an hour of the whole 12 hours. And I was really losing it. Like three hours in, I started to really lose it, not have much to talk about, start to physically drag. So by the end, it really is pretty... uh, you're watching us just like limp to the finish line. How much serious coverage were you doing? (laughs) That was really funny was we, uh, we... 
about two or three hours into it, the public access people were like, you guys got to start doing more actual election coverage. And we were like, well, first of all, there's no news yet. It's like 11 in the morning. Yeah. So we there is no news no. to cover. And second of all, like, you guys told us we could do this. Like, you knew who we were, you know? So we did try. We actually had to, we started, since we started getting yelled at, we had one guy on our crew who randomly, he's one of these dudes who just, like, consumes politics. Yeah. So he was telling us about all, like, the local races and Senate races and different, like, House of Representative uh, races across the country. So he was able to inject some actual news into it. But by... By and large, it's mostly just idiocy, and uh, people started realizing that they could have stuff delivered to our studio. So we were, people were sending like balloons and food and all this stuff, and we had this policy: we'd eat anything sent to us, which was again a bad idea. <laughs> my favorite stretch of that whole episode was that at one point, this random dude wandered into the studio, and he was a little crazy, like he legit off his rocker, which is not a funny thing, but he just jumped on camera, and he was just down for whatever, and he was having fun and saying all these bizarre things, and it was a little uncomfortable, but like with our show, like that's part of it, is I like when things go wrong or when unexpected things happen, so it was just me and this crazy guy and my friend Dan, and Dan had done the show a couple times, but he didn't, he wasn't, he's not like fully entrenched, and then I took a, a, a break, and when I came back, the only two people on camera were Dan and this this insane Asian guy who had shown up. And after the show, I was like, I'm amazed how well you handled that lunatic. And he's like, wait, that's not somebody who works on the show? <laughs> and I was like, no, that's an actual lunatic who wandered off the streets in New York right. and just jumped on. He was like, oh, I had no idea. So it was just two people who didn't really know this show. Shouldn't have been teasing it. him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, shouldn't have been messing with that guy. He's apparently a dude who's like kind of notorious in the public access world because he always storms shows. And what? Yeah, he one time apparently snuck into the studio and got locked in overnight on the roof. He like spent a night on the roof of the station because he, he got locked in and he was trying to find his way out and trapped himself on the roof of the That sounds studio. like the premise for an episode of his sitcom. I mean, like, the world of public access is crazy, and New York is a place that has a high percentage of crazy people, so there's tons of stories, man. I love it. I love being a part of it. I think it's, like, a really punk rock thing. I think it's a really cool thing that maybe, like, people, myself included, when I signed up for it, I think I kind of rolled my eyes at it and was like, this is this is funny to do this, but it's actually such a cool thing, but there is tons of insane programming there tons of insane people because one of the great things about public access is they really do let anyone have a show and if you are schizophrenic you can have a show if you are completely disconnected from society you can have a show there's a guy in new york who has a show who is a active high-ranking member of the latin kings he has a show he actually used to have a live show and then he threatened to kill someone who worked at the studio so they told him, you can't do your show live here anymore, but you can still have a show. You just have to pre-tape it. So he shows, send up, it to us. he shows up every week, calls the security guard from the sidewalk. Oh. Security guard comes and takes the tape. And he's been doing that apparently for 11 years. He's been doing a show from a studio where he is banned from entering it. I think that is – there is something about that that's really amazing and really kind of like – kind of cool that there's yeah. this thing that anyone can be a part of it we don't care they actually just told me i didn't know this they said they don't even actually the people who program the station don't even watch the content they don't watch the shows because then they would be tempted to remove something if it's not good or if it offends them and that's outside of their mission statement so the people who actually pick the shows never ever watch them so as to not be tempted to censor them Who's in, who runs Public Access? Public Access is actually funded by the cable companies. It's actually in the in the 60s and 70s, there was a group of people that started in New York who started fighting for this idea of, well, if you're going to lay cable in a community, that's like a huge infrastructural thing. It's going to cost traffic when you have to do it. It's going to it's going to really, you know what I mean? It's like it is a a thing that affects the community. So in order to have cable laid in a city most cities have a a uh, thing in the contract with the cable companies that is you have to provide oh, provide okay. uh stations that are for community access sure, that, sure. It, that the community can have access to so in new york there's in in manhattan alone there's actually four 24-hour public access stations that are just full of insane content and you have to take these classes and uh, fill out all this paperwork to sign up and i think 
the goal with those is like, oh, only people who are really serious will put in all the time sure. to do this. But in reality, it's just only people who have nothing but time on their hands, <laughs> which leads to a lot of a lot of people who are kind of fringe members of society having TV shows. I think it's really rad. I'm glad to be a part of it. Crossover? Are there any crossover public access shows? There are a lot of people work on each other's shows, but I'm actually I've actually become kind of hated by the public access community. There's a lot of people who love me, and then there's a lot of people who seem to think I'm like like came in and used it taking advantage of it took advantage of them and i'm not a real member of the community that's there yeah and that that's a bad thing and i would say that you've been on conan man you should have your own show like stuff most of the people like because i was always like when i went on conan and fallon to promote the show i very was i was like i'm part of the manhattan neighborhood network i always said that i always was like very proud to do my part and they were the people who run it were psyched i did that but i think a lot of people were like oh this pretty boy thinks he's better than us and i'm like i really don't um if you're so deeply entrenched in this thing that you are hateful of anyone who comes in and, and uses it towards greater success i think that's a bummer just don't piss off the latin king Never. I never want to piss off King Cuba. I never want to. <laughs> but I'm really psyched. I think tonight there was a public access show in Minneapolis that uh, these guys reached out to us. Their show preexisted ours. And they emailed me and they were like, dude, we just found out about your show. We think it's really cool. We do this show as well. And they were like this other group of like, you could tell they were legitimately creative people using public access. But their show got shut down about a year ago. It was called Freaky Deaky. Hmm. And it was really cool. It was really, really great. And uh, I know at least one of those dudes who was a part of that show is coming to the show tonight. And I'm psyched to meet him because it is this world where it's not very it's not very well organized within any given city. And the, uh, and the actual crossover, like, to meet other people who do public access, let alone other people who are, like, motivated individuals doing creative stuff with it. Very hard, so psyched to meet Minneapolis's own freaky deaky <laughs> later tonight because they were an early, an early thing of like, oh, we're co-conspirators. Let's like figure out ways to uh, to do it. They were gonna fly one of our cast members out to be on their show. Oh wow! And then something fell apart with their relationship with the the station. Something I can't speak for them. Yeah, something yeah. something fell apart. But Who, is, is there any? Is anyone uh, content? Are there any restrictions on content? Well, that's the most amazing thing, dude. Is that the laws with public access because you have to remember cable you opt to have in your home so you're opting to have it so there's very few restrictions in fact like most channels the restrictions they put on themselves are self-imposed to avoid complaints to to avoid community complaints so really the only thing that defines content is obscenity laws and obscenity laws are defined by what your community complains about and defines as obscenity so in manhattan new york those laws are very loose. So I bet. The only content rules we have as far as what we can do live in the studio are actually designed primarily to keep the equipment safe. Like we can, we can, uh, we can't play sports in the studio because something might break. But if I wanted my show to just be me shouting obscenities for an hour, no one would have a problem with it. Yeah. It would be zero problems. And we can, we can air nudity, but we can't be naked in the studio but that's only because they don't want like people's grody bits touching equipment like they don't want someone (laughs) sitting in a chair with their balls out and then someone has to sit in that chair i can't argue somebody's filthy balls were on so there's that but we could like we could air we can air nudity we can't air genital contact but i asked them like well what what are the limits on that and they said well like what do you think and i was like so if i took a piece of saran wrap and held it up and two men mashed their genitals onto either side of the saran wrap. Like, they're not technically touching. They were like, yep, totally fine. What? Totally fine. <laughs> you want to have your show be an hour of two men grinding their genitals against a piece of saran wrap. As long as the saran wrap doesn't break and the genitals don't touch, that is fine. And, of course, you can't show, like, you can't have people doing sexual acts. Right. So if anyone was to get aroused while rubbing their genitals on saran wrap, hmm. we'd have to back out of that. You'd have to, you'd have to kill that. But if it was just unaroused genitalia mashing against plastic, totally fine. 100%. No one would have a problem with it. No, I swear. There's saran wrap there. You just can't see it. Yeah. I want, like, we, do have, we actually do have this dream, though, that if we ever end the show, we want to be kicked off. We don't want to leave. We want to invite the actual higher-ups at Public Access to the show as our guests of honor and then see how far we have to take things before they Yeah, that is the way you have to do it. Kick us off the air, yeah. And they have a great policy, too, which is they're like, you can, you can do whatever you want once. 
But if you break one of the only rules, like there's very few rules and you can even break those if you want. You'll just get kicked off. Like yeah. they don't try to preemptively stop anybody. Like if somebody they, – they've had dozens of people whose shows have ended because they're like free speech means I'm going to do this. And they're like, well, you got to go and you knew you were going to go and we respect that you did it. But it's like the loosest – place and the idea that they the the key for me is that you know public access show has certain feelings where i think people hear that and they think you can only see it in your city but in manhattan our station streams everything that happens online live while it happens so we do a live show that people call from all over the world amazing so yeah it's like we found this kind of back door into having a fully functioning tv studio Who would have thought? yeah for our internet show the 90 percent of the people who watch the show watch it on the internet at this point so we got really lucky and they took great care of us. And as you can see, like I get really rambly and nerdy and excited talking about public That's access, good. but I think it's a really great thing. I think it's a really great thing. We're trying to organize right now. We're trying to like find other people in New York who are, um, who we think would like take well to the medium and try to, as we are like ending our days, they're trying to set up some other people who might be able to create oh, some really cool. momentum. Yeah. 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 What, uh, yeah, let's move on to the, uh, like, so comedy central, what are they, they're buying, or you know, they are they are interested. They yeah, they shown interest in the like a carbon copy of what well, you're already doing. The show right now, the show on public access is an hour long and it has no commercials. Comedy Central wanted to see a half hour version of it that would incorporate commercials. So we had to figure out how to do what we do. Um, we're used to having 58 minutes. We had to figure out how to do that in 21 and a half minutes, which is the amount of actual time that a half right. hour TV show is on. So that was a really huge adjustment. That being said, that's really the only adjustment. Like one of the really good things about having done the show for four years before they bought the pilot was that they were really, really genuinely respectful of like, you guys built this thing. It has a cult following. That's the reason we are here today. So we don't want to mess with, they weren't like, you know, we don't like this cast member or that cast member, leave them out. They weren't like, maybe we should change this or that. They were like, Really, the only content guidance they gave us was, like, you do certain shows like this that we don't love. We You do a whole bunch of shows like this that we do love. So we'd prefer if you focused on maybe that okay. type of thing that you've done prior. And outside of that, they really just were totally hands-off. The director of the show was the guy who directed every episode of the Public Access show. Wow. Most of the producers were people who were producing our Public Access show. So it really was, like, we took this Public Access thing and got a budget to do it for real one time. And I think we did it right. I think anybody who watches our show would watch it and be like, you, did, you didn't sell out the soul of it. Like, you made a nicer, cleaner version of it. You used the budget towards cool stuff, but you didn't, you didn't give away the heart of it. And I think people would be proud of that. So hopefully, fingers crossed, knock on wood for us, we'll get to do more on Comedy Central. And that's when the trouble really starts, you know? That's when I'm like, oh, if we get to do a live show on Comedy Central, like, we can really do some damage with that, you know? So... Hopefully we get the chance, but if not, like I have no complaints about their treatment of us. They did not make us compromise all that much. The half hour thing was a huge beast to figure out, but outside of that, there were really not many changes at all. That's really cool. Yeah, you'll just be able to do the show. You're doing the. You'll do the show in the same place, or no? We I mean, uh, in New York, still, in New or? York, yeah, yeah, which was important to me. I think like. It is. It has. Uh, you know, the other option would probably be Los Angeles, just based on how the entertainment industry works. But yeah. to me, it's a very New York show. Like one of the defining things in the show that we never saw coming was during our second episode, uh, the studio it had been double booked, so we didn't have any prep time. So all we could do was just sit there and take calls, and it was kind of depressing. Our first episode was really horrible. Um, and we had come in cocky because we had this existing show at a comedy club that was that was popular, and we dropped the ball. But we're taking these calls, and this girl called us up, and she was like, "What? Well, I don't get what you're doing. What is this?" And we were like, "Well, we're figuring it out. It's a comedy show. Like, it definitely needs a lot of work. This and that." And she was like, "You guys are funny, but I'm really confused." And I was like, "Well, where are you? Like, maybe if you come to the studio, it'll make more sense." And she was like, "Oh, I'm in Times Square." And I was like, "Well, jump in a cab. Our studio's on 59th between 10th and 11th." And she showed up. And she just came on the show, mm-hmm. and she wound up appearing on the show for the next 15 weeks, this random girl. And that kind of became, like, the early thing that defined what the show was because we were like, we don't we don't care about it. There's no consequences. And that, in a way, is very liberating yeah. creatively and I think showed anybody who was finding it, like, oh, this these guys really are going to let this thing go wherever it wants. And as a viewer, I think people get interested. You know, the show content-wise sometimes falls apart – a lot of times it gets a little strange for people, but I think the people who love it love it primarily. 
because they get to see it evolve and they get to make calls and put their fingerprints on it. And they know that if they support the show, just like that first girl, random Jean, as we called her, <laughs> they could actually help sort of push it in a new direction. They could they could help send things wherever they go. And, and we try to make all of our bits interactive and things where you can call or affect them via the internet. So it, it is, it's like public access is kind of an outdated medium but we've managed to figure out some modern things to do with it which i think is it's impressive a, it's a it's a good combo I, I think about it very hard as you can see i apologize that i'm not being funny at all and just being nerdy but i get very very passionate about it very passionate i bet everybody else is funnier than this right uh, uh nerdy's good we've oh, nerded good. out on many things oh, on good this, yeah uh... i can talk forever about how i think public access tv is like perhaps like the last truly independent thing in entertainment you know indie film has been co-opted right like a lot of indie film now is like like getting into Sundance now doesn't necessarily mean you did it yourself. It just means you like left certain backers' labels off of it. Oh. Indie music doesn't mean as much as it used to, I don't right. think. But indie TV, that's still a pretty undiscovered What about podcasts? Frontier. Oh, podcasts, huge, yeah. huge, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> my bad. Um, but yeah, like podcasts, we started our show in 2011 and podcasting was a thing where I was like, oh, podcasting is kind of really replacing terrestrial radio in many aspects not completely and no. i don't think it ever will completely but there's a certain type of programming that podcasting can support to great effect yeah god that, i hope it doesn't i want to do both yeah <laughs> no I th and i think there's so many people who do both but there's like long form stuff that can happen on podcasting that can on radio mm -hmm. and no, not even i was close. like when when we started doing the show on public access i was like well video podcasting can't be too far behind and it turned out that that was wrong that <laughs> Video podcasting has not had nearly the effect that not really. Some people do, has. but yeah. But that was one of the early hopes. But podcasting was a huge inspiration of like, right? With the internet, you can find your own version of existing things. Mm -hmm. There is literally something for everyone. Yeah. What? Uh, um, so you? How often do you go out on the road like you are right now? I don't go out too often because largely because the show anchors me to New York. So every, every Wednesday I need to be there. But I really like finding ways. I do a lot of festivals and uh, I do road gigs here and there. I just did Nashville earlier this year. I'm doing Austin right after this. I'm doing D.C. later in the year. So um, I'm just, you know, the, the I'm getting I just did Cleveland actually a couple of days ago. So I do things here and there, but I'm not I'm not one of the I'm not. I don't really have my life built in a way where I can leave for weeks at a time like a lot of people. So I try to get out as much as I can. Were you ever like that? Do you hit in the road? No, just because I, I did, uh, I always anchored my, I just do so much sort of New York centric stuff that anchors me there. So I haven't hit the road for like long stretches of time, probably like two weeks at the most taking the Gethard show on the road was like uh, the longest I've been out there. But um, I really, really enjoy it. It's cool to see how big comedy is everywhere. You know, in New York, where it's always been a, a p part of the culture since, like, the early 70s, it's easy to, like, take it for granted. So to get out there and be like, oh, no, people love this stuff these days. It's really, really uplifting and cool. And you have a CD coming out. Yeah, yeah, a record. A vinyl record, which I'm... Not only a vinyl. No, no, no. It's vinyl and digital. There's vinyl actually no CD. No CD at all. No, but I'm putting it out on this punk label... Uh, out of New Jersey called Don Giovanni Records, and they put out a lot of my favorite bands, so I'm really psyched to be a part of it. But that comes out April 22nd, and uh, I think people will like it. I think people will like it. A lot of the Acme crowd is hearing like um, a lot of the material off that. Okay. Because I'm filming a half-hour stand-up special for Comedy Central at the end of March, so it kind of all lines up time-wise really well. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of this, this week here at Acme, I think, is going to guide a lot of what shows up on my Comedy Central special at the end of the month. I'm really using it to kind of feel out what these guys like as I uh, as I as I take it to an audience that doesn't necessarily know me as well as the New York audience. How does. much stuff uh, do you have, you know, that you're comfortable with um, that you can work with to whittle down to a half like, an hour, 25 minutes? As far as stuff that I would actually consider putting in that special, I probably have about 45 to 50 minutes that I'm like, there's good stuff there, yeah. you know? I have more stuff than that that's, like, in development but not as solid as the rest of it. Um, but, yeah, it's probably a matter of trying to pick, like, the best 20 minutes out of the best 45 or so. So um, it's definitely kind of a headache because I have to pick those minutes and then I have to figure out how to clean them all up and get them ready for broadcast and make them fit time-wise into a structure that 
they don't normally have to fit into with commercials. So. Is the special something's going to be filmed in New York? Boston. Oh, in they Boston. filmed them all in Boston. I don't know why. Oh, that's right. They've yeah. been doing that for, for a while. Yeah, for a couple of years now. Yeah. All the specials, Boston. Good for Boston. Strange, though, right? I Yeah. Arbitrarily, Boston. Forget them. Yeah, man. <laughs> no, uh, that being said, Boston, I love you. Support me. March 28th at the taping. I don't want to talk bad about that no, city before no, I no. go there. No, you're going to kick ass. <laughs> uh, there, hey, I, you know what? When I think of Boston as being a sports fan, I just think about the Boston Red Sox. I hate them. Other than that, oh, I love too. Cheers. So oh, Cheers great. is one of my favorite shows of all time. Boston's a great town. So there you go, Boston. There. I've done a number of shows in Boston yeah. over the years. It's a yeah. good time. Cheers. Are you you're a Minnesota sports fan? Mm-hmm. You Timberwolves? Mm-hmm. You think you're keeping Kevin Love? I hope so, because without him, it's not... Dismal. Yeah, it's pretty dismal. We did that before when they traded Kevin Garnett oh, yeah. to the star, and it was... Because elsewise, you got so, Rubio, but Rubio has not proven himself to be everything people thought he was. No. Exciting yeah. player. Sure. Not a great player, though. Pretty. Yeah. He's very pretty. And and fun to watch. Yeah. Ricky Rubio. Yeah, man. I went to my first game uh, this year, just a couple of weeks ago. Really? And they lost. So. Yeah, that makes sense. That Bad makes taste sense. taste in my mouth. Yeah. Yeah, and then two days later, they had another home game and won by like 35. That's awesome. So, yeah. That's how Kevin Love does it, right? He can really have an impact. I was just looking tonight. Apparently, the Knicks are coming to town tonight. Yeah, just down the street, man. I know, man. And I got the show. I was looking it up, and I was like, because the Knicks, I'm a Knicks fan. The owners of that team, you can't go to those games for less than like 80 bucks. It's like highway robbery. Yeah. So I was like, oh, my God, I could go get a cheap sheet, a cheap seat. Watching what is it, the Target Center, yeah, right? I was uh-huh. like, I could go get a cheap seat at the Target Center. I could probably go get food, have a great time. The whole night will cost me like thirty bucks, forty bucks <laughs> total. And then I got the shows. I was like, all right, I'm here for a reason to do shows, not to watch the Knicks. I didn't Wait fly a on a plane to land here. Let's and then see, watch tonight's the tonight's show's eight. I think the game is at seven. Game's at seven. You don't have to be here. Oh, I do go up last. <laughs> you do go up last. Don't tempt me. I all I'm saying so is much trouble, though. Oh God, how that would be such a jerk move. All I'm saying is you could go for at least the first half. Oh my God, the you're game right. is only how far is the Target Center? A from mile here? from here. I could walk it. Mile and a half. Not not far. It's just you know downtown here. Same side of downtown. Not far. You could go and at least watch the first half. I'm just saying that's a especially if you're a Knicks fan and your team's in town. I mean, but the other thing about the, being a Knicks fan this year is that they are. By far the most frustrating team in basketball. One of the worst teams. And also, it's not fun. It's not fun to be a Knicks fan. Carmelo. Carmelo's great to watch. Every other player on that team is worse than the, worse than the last. An unwatchable train wreck of a season. Isaiah, uh, what's his name? Doesn't run him anymore, does he? Isaiah Thomas? Oh, yeah. no, thank God. No. Thank God. But their owner, James Dolan, he's still around. He's a kook. They got no hope. It's a team with no hope. Have you how, how close have you sat at uh, Madison Not Square close Garden? Not at all. I wish I could afford those close-up seats. Madison Not even Square a buddy Garden. that like a big shot friend. I wish. I wish. You know, I have a my. I, I think my manager gets seats once in a while, and he asked me once, and I couldn't go. And then he took a friend of mine who was like, they were the seats were so close. So I was very, very bitter and jealous about that. But I do. I have a couple friends like. One of my good friends uh, is on SNL right now, and they have seats, and I'm always praying. Is that Bobby Moynihan? Yeah, Bobby and I came up together in really the New York cool. comedy world. He's a good guy? One of the best dudes you'll ever meet. One yeah. of the nicest, most genuine human beings you'll ever meet in your entire life. Yeah. And he, uh, I always, I never want to ask. I like don't, I don't want to ask for things, you know, but I'm always like, oh, he ever gets those seats. I hope he throws them my way, but... No such luck. No such luck just yet. Maybe he'll hear this podcast, though, and old Bobby Moe will step up to the plate, you know? Hey, yeah. Uh, if you're listening to this on the, on the set of SNL, hey, everybody. Yeah. Hi. If you're just I know it's not really this, happening, so. If you're just broadcasting this over the loudspeakers there on, on floor eight of Rockefeller Center, <laughs> I would like your tickets, please. Sure. <laughs> hi, Lorne. No, he's not going to say hi he back. He didn't answer. He, he just stared at us hi. in icy silence. <laughs> icy silence. <laughs> Uh, boy, we we uh, time is flying here, but I, there's a few more things I want to talk to you. About. I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Oh, no, a few please. more things I want to get to, though. Uh, I was reading something on uh, your website, um, and I'm just curious about what this was. It, it, it we don't need to get in the whole thing with the UCB and all sort of controversy or whatever oh, that yeah. was going on there. I I don't want to get into that. But you wrote something on here about how uh, the money and you made over fifty grand from a commercial after it aired during the football season. Oh yeah, what was it? I, well, I do want to be clear. Um, 
I would never just brag about money in any way publicly. There was a big controversy in New York about sort of like different clubs and how they pay performers. Right. And UCB doesn't pay people to perform, which a lot of people have a problem with, and I totally get it. But I put up a post saying that long-term, my career has been served by the fact that I have this place that lets me just go and try things out, work things out, and they don't care if I fail. And I wound up at one point, yeah, when I got my, I got my acting agent through them, I had a McDonald's commercial one year, many, many years ago, and it aired during football season. So just constantly during football games, this McDonald's commercial was on, and I would just get checks for a long time, which, again, I don't like talking about money. I think it's gross, but it was like an eye-opening thing. I, like, I hope you know it, didn't, it doesn't come across like oh, that. Oh, no, that's good. That's yeah. good. I just want to make sure for any listeners who yeah. have the context, like that is out of character for me. But the argument was people saying, like, you know, if I do a show, I want to get like $25 for the show. And my point was like, you know, if I can do a show at a place that doesn't care if I fail and lets me find my legs, I'd rather let them have that $25 if it can help lead me to getting an agent that can get me some jobs where for one day of work, I'll be making a lot of money over the course of a whole football season. And then that evens out in the end. All, yeah, yeah. all the work and shows that I put in for free led to an opportunity like that. And then I wound up making all that money back in ways that are, are probably, you know, that count towards health insurance and that aren't so, such a struggle. So sure. that was my main goal. But yeah, those that commercial, commercials are a racket, man. Like when you see... Like when you see those people who like like that girl f- the flow from the progressive ads, yeah. she is a millionaire just from those. Gotta I, be. I I would imagine she has to be. Like those commercials are a racket, man. That's a racket. I used to at the radio station. We he doesn't work with us anymore, but I did work with the guy that took over for Gilbert Gottfried, the voice oh, of Affleck. Affleck? Yeah, he's that the new Affleck must, voice. He must have been psyched, man. Yeah. He probably bought himself a pool off of that. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Affleck money. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I Affleck auditioned money. to replace that Affleck. Did you really? I did. But I knew there was no choice. I'm like a weak-willed... I have like such a weak, soft voice. I sound so authoritative and masculine in my head, and then I hear my <laughs> voice, and it's this. <laughs> do you uh, do you watch back all your shows on the public access? No, I ever? almost never do because I can't. I don't like the way I sound. I have low self esteem. I don't like the way I look. It makes me self conscious. Everything I do wrong just like jumps out at me. So I try to just let it exist. Unless like something very specific happened that I can learn from, then I'll go back and watch it. Yeah. Um, but by and large, I don't just to keep myself out of my own head. Do you listen to your? Do you go back and listen to your radio stuff? Uh, I, I, the radio stuff, I can't really, no, I don't listen, like our daily show that I do, you know, Podcasts. I'm a producer in a morning show, I listen, yeah. uh, I, I don't listen back, right. unless it's something, like, I do a, sometimes, there's a best of thing I host every other Saturday, so I inevitably have to hear it back, yeah. and then as the podcast, this thing, um, at the beginning, I would listen back to all of them. Now, I really only listen back if someone's coming back a right. second time. That makes sense. To get so really only like in the production, producer capacity do you yeah. listen to your own stuff. Because mm-hmm. it is. It's horrific. Yeah. It's horrific. I'm like, oh my God, that's how I look and move and sound. Plus, how do you get around, and I, this is just a unique thing for people that do, you know, that produce something like this, you know, art or whatever you want to call it. Not that this is art, but that produce something. Uh, if I'm sitting at home listening to myself on my computer and my yeah. roommate or girlfriend walks in, like, it's kind of yeah. embarrassing. What are you yeah. li- really? Are you that full of yourself? Yeah. Uh-huh. How are you doing listening to yourself in here? It's a bummer. It's a bummer. I try to avoid it. <laughs> try to avoid it. Yeah, but I, I, I avoid watching my own work mostly out of feelings of shame, let alone... <laughs> Avoiding arrogance, that would be a luxury. Mostly because I'm genuinely ashamed of who I am and how I come off. Uh, arrogance is a luxury item in, in yeah, your life. I wish I could get to a point of self-esteem where arrogance was possible. Someday. Someday. <laughs> we'll see. You've done some acting as well. I've done a little bit, yeah. yeah. Here's all I want to ask this. What, is the, what was the smallest role in the biggest movie? The smallest role in the biggest movie was I played a banker in The Other Guys, the Will Ferrell, Mark Wahlberg movie. Mm-hmm. At the end of that movie, a gun is held to the uh, to the head of a banker, and I am that banker. No lines? I think one or two lines. Yeah. Where I'm like, don't do it. Like, that's literally all I say in that movie. 
Nice. So that's a pretty small role. <laughs> and I had a very, very, if you want to go into TV, I had a tiny role in Louie, but in an episode that's one of my favorite episodes. Oh, which one? The one where Doug Stanhope comes back as like his old open mic drunk friend. Yes. There's a scene where they go by an open mic and I play the host of that open mic. Oh, no kidding. Where I get to introduce Doug Stanhope and he, I go, what name, what's your name? And he goes, shitty fat tits. And I go, oh, ladies and gentlemen, shitty fat tits. And that's, that's my right. sole contribution. That's Which I'm right. I'm so psyched to be a part of that show, but it, it is um, it uh, is a tiny role, yeah. that I'm very proud of. Well, comedy nerds like me love that show. Oh, dude, me too. Yeah, I was so psyched that I had a chance to be a part of it. It's, it was rad. That's that, very cool. Uh, did you? Uh, and you've been on Fallon a few times. Have you caught his yeah. Tonight Show? I just watched last night in my hotel room. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I watched last night too, the beginning. Yeah. What do you think? I watched a bunch of it. I like him a lot. I think that format fits him so well. I feel like he used to take so many knocks on SNL for like uh, laughing during sketches and stuff like that. But I think that's just because he's a dude who really has fun and uh, takes his career seriously but doesn't take himself seriously. And I think that host format like really plays into that. Like he has fun with that show and I think it's really fun to watch. And I think a lot of the interactive stuff they do is like probably some of the most cutting edge. Yeah. I, I, I think so. I, did you, did it ever bother you when he would uh, break character and laugh during it? Did, I mean, it didn't, it didn't bother me, but I know a lot of people who it did bother. And I know a lot of other comedians who were like, just commit to your stuff. But to me, I always, I, I don't know. I like watching people have fun and I'm not mm-hmm. the best at keeping a straight face either. So I'm not one to judge. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I always thought it was funny because yeah. when he was laughing, it was things that were legitimately funny. Yeah. So and it, like to me, that's one of the things about SNL that is um, like, I always loved those moments because it reminds you like, this is live. Things mm-hmm. could go wrong. This is like a thing that's happening one time right now, right in front of you. I always actually appreciated it in that sense that it had an out. El- there was like an element of like um, risk there that SNL doesn't often show its hand on. You know, did you, you do a think, little work for them at some? I point? I did. I guest wrote for them one year. Just what does for that mean? Two episodes. They bring people in. Basically, like if they have extra money in their budget, they'll bring in writers for a couple episodes. Um, just to like hang out and be a part of it and throw ideas in. And in 2007, I did that for uh, two episodes. And it was really, it was a really uh, good thing. It really, I think, like kicked off my career in the directions it's gone, primarily because I didn't get hired there afterwards. And I went in there kind of feeling like, I can't believe they're letting me do this. And I walked out feeling like, oh, I could be a part of this. Like, I'm good enough. I got a sketch to dress rehearsal. Like, I could do this. I could make this happen. And then they didn't hire me, and that really rattled me, but it made me get to work. You know, it made me really start hustling, so. Oh, nothing made it on air? No, I didn't get anything on the air. Um, But I was really, really proud to be a part of that for even a short time. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. It was a real good thing in my life. In, In both, like, the encouragement and the vote of confidence, and then in how much it scared me. When I when I dropped the ball and turned in a really bad writing packet in an effort to get hired permanently, and I was like, "Oh man, I need to I need to really put the work in and get going. Let's move." So, from there, I really committed hard to making making a career in comedy. Now, something like SNL, well, you're uh, being in front of the camera, or behind the camera would be your preference, and something like that. I don't know. I don't know. That's a great question. When I was younger, I would have wanted to be in front of the camera, but I do think there's a lot of joy in being the type of person who gets to like set something up. And I'll tell you, the older I get, the more I'm like, writers have a really great gig, man. Like they get to generate all this funny stuff, and then if it goes wrong, they don't have to take the hit on it. You know, like someone else has to take the fall when oh, yeah. things go wrong. I think that's a pretty cool aspect of it in a basic level, but mostly. I'm I'm of the philosophy that like if I get to work with people I respect, if I get to work in any creative capacity, I'm doing better than I thought I would have been when I was a kid who didn't think I deserved to be doing this. So whatever I can be doing. And I, I know that sounds like a little bit of a cop-out answer, but to me there's like great satisfaction just in being creative, whether that's on camera, behind the camera, whatever it is. I'm happy just to be creative and, and pay my rent. That's my sole goal. I try not to think too much harder beyond that. I it's think that so works. hard to do any of it. Yeah. So hard to get any of it going that if I can pay my rent and not have a, a nine to five. New York rent. Oh, yeah. Which is, don't, I mean, I can't even, it's depressing to think about. <laughs> when I walked in here and just saw the size of this place, I was like, oh, there's no, you, no comedy club in New York City could have this amount of space just because comedy, like, you, you don't have those luxuries, man. 
It's awesome. It was awesome to walk in and be like, oh, this is a big space where you have room to breathe. You can fit a lot of people. It's so cool. The I, one club I've comedy club I've been to in New York is the Cellar. Oh yeah, and great club. Yeah, but you are on top of all the other people around crap. you. Right? You're like I, shoulder to shoulder with the other people. I didn't see that on the website when I bought tickets. Oh yeah, it it's like, tiny, right? Tiny. You think it's like you think it's it's this place in your mind where you're like, oh, Comedy Cellar, it's one of the best clubs mm-hmm. ever. All these legends come from it, and then you go there and like. To, you're not even. You may not even be facing the stage. Oh yeah, point. and to reach for your drink, you're gonna have to like elbow through the person on either side of you to get to it. It's really nuts. It's really nuts. But also probably part of why it is what it is yeah. because there is that energy to it and that life to it. Yeah. Well, I uh, I've taken up enough of your time. Well, thank you for letting me ramble. I'm sorry if this was a boring one. <laughs> I think it probably was. Right? It's okay. I can take it. No, I would not say that. I didn't really do any like bits or any. I bet a no, lot of nobody, no, 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 God, no. Nobody comes on here. I should have done some bits. <laughs> you actually, it actually would have stood out more if you did bits. All right. Than not doing So bits. I was equally boring to most of the other people. <laughs> we have a standard. That's good. All right. As long as I didn't lower the bar. No, no. Uh, you know, I mean, if this was like, uh, you know, 10 minutes in uh, po- uh, Top 40 Radio... Yeah. yeah. Hey, let's go. Let's hammer out some jokes. Right. No, no. This is uh, we're having a conversation. I liked it. Yeah. I enjoyed it. You did? Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'm going to believe you. I meant it. No, I don't. Thank you. Thank it was, you. I was. I was very excited to meet you. Please. I. Uh, you got so much shit going on. My so pleasure. Yeah. Glad to spend uh, an hour with you. And uh, you know, a year from now, you'll be too big to oh, remember no. any of us. That's not. <laughs> I mean, knock on wood, that's true, but I doubt <laughs> At least mentally, I'll never believe it. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Thank you. Yes.